I better stand up before I get trumped again here. Um, I, as I was looking at this room and the crowd that's here, I was thinking next week we ought to have our meeting at Jose's one million dollar house. <laughs> there you go. Uh, only problem is he lives in Jacksonville, so. Yeah, yeah, I know you'd say that. Um, I'd like you all to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. And before I um, share what's on my heart, Mark, I'm going to ask you this question because you are very objective, very honest. Uh, I just came into this meeting. I have no idea what happened in the last hour and a half. Mark, on a scale of one to five, because you've been here from the beginning, five meaning a drop-dead glorious meeting and one being an unmentionably horrible meeting that you want to repress for the rest of your life, where would you put that, this meeting tonight? I'll give it a four. A four, okay. So visitors, you saw a four. You haven't seen a five. It's very good, but I'll say there have, in my opinion, yeah, better. Sure, I'm sure there have been. There's, there's been some gully washers here. Yeah. So I'd say that for the visitors because they have no way to, to compare it. What's that? Short time tonight. Short time. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, this typically, typically I would not come in and speak. Uh, it would go on until 9.30, 10 o'clock, and the sharing would continue. And I'm sure that some of you have more to share. You will have opportunity to do that at another time, so don't worry. All right, Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And the New King James Version says, diligently seek him. And other translations say, seek him out. And the Greek word there actually means a continuous pursuit, a diligent pursuit. There's a lot in the New Testament about following the Lord. Jesus himself said, follow me. We're here in this room because we are followers. And we're following him. But in order to follow someone, you have to locate them. You have to find out where are they and where are they headed. And so consequently, the New Testament also puts a great emphasis on seeking the Lord. Pursuing him because you can't follow him unless you find him. And so, consequently, um, I want to talk to you about pursuing the Lord in a way that you may not have heard it before. I want to talk to you about diligently seeking him. And this word that I have tonight to bring is a word that that you will forget, and you will forget it during those times where you need to hear it the most. 
sometime next year, you as a church are going to need to hear this word. And that's why we thank God for digital recorders. Because you can go back and someone will say, you know what, we need to go back and, and remember what was shared on October the 9th about pursuing the Lord. So, let's go to um, chapter 6 of Hebrews. I'm going to look at one passage here and then one more in Luke and then I'm going to jump off and we're going to dive in together. Hebrews 6, verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence as to realize the full assurance of hope unto the end. Notice the word diligence, that each of you show the same diligence. Verse 12, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. Now, the word patience is also translated the same Greek word endurance and even long-suffering. That real true faith is always coupled with diligence and endurance. And what's endurance? It's refusal to stop. Refusal to give up. Refusal to quit. And I want to show you an element of faith, and, and it's all over Hebrews 11, and perhaps some of you mentioned it, but faith is active. Faith is not passive. There is a diligence. There is an endurance in faith. I want to camp out just a little bit in Luke 16. I want to show you a passage, and I'm going to use this as sort of the metaphor for the rest of the message. and I'm going to illustrate it rather than define it. Luke 16, Luke chapter 16, verse 16. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, meaning John the Baptist. This is Luke 16, 16. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached. And, uh, oh, about two months ago, you heard the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom has been preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. Now, does anybody have the King James or the New King James? To read the King James or the New King James. Someone out loud. The law and the prophets were until John, since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. Pressing into it. Since John, the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom has been preached, and everyone, he uses that word, it's a hyperbole, it doesn't mean every single person, but those who received it were pressing in, they were pushing in, they were forcing their way in. Now, let me just say a quick word about this, I don't want to dwell on it, but this is one of those passages where scholars disagree because of the word, the Greek word. And it depends on if you use the middle voice or the passive voice. 
And I'm not going to get into that. But I'm just going to let you know this because you may have a translation that may read a little bit differently than the way we're looking at it. But some scholars read that passage and what they see there, along with the parallel passage in Matthew, is that the kingdom of God is receiving violent opposition from, from wicked people, basically. Then there are other scholars, and I would agree with those scholars who would say that no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about people who embrace the message of the kingdom and were pushing their way into it. They were diligently pursuing it. They were forcing into it. One of my favorite scholars is George Ladd, and he translates it like this. All who received the announcement of the kingdom entered vigorously and violently. Okay. They enter the kingdom violently. They enter it forcefully. They push. They, King James. They press their way in. And I want to talk to you about what that means. Because, brothers and sisters, uh, everything is against you and I pursuing Jesus Christ. Everything. The culture is against it. The people that you know who are still in the world, who are still in their sins, they're against it. This whole world system is against it. Your nature, your fallen nature, your flesh is against it. And so in order to continue to follow Him and to walk in Him, there must be in us an attitude of violent pressing in, thrusting our way in, in a way that sisters and brothers cannot be stopped. And so I want to I illustrate this to you. Because the New Testament, believe it or not, and even the Old Testament, there are places where we see people pressing into the kingdom of God, pressing into Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you come to Christ, you repent and believe, you've just stepped into the kingdom. But you know, the kingdom is vast. Christ and His unsearchable riches are unfathomable. And there are many places in the kingdom to explore. There are many aspects of Christ to explore. So it's not this, you know, you step into the kingdom and you're saved and you go into heaven and that's it. No, there is a pushing in. Paul told the Galatians after he led them to Christ and there was a church, churches in Galatia, he came back and he met with them and he said, through much tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. Well, they were already Christians. So there is a continue, continued walk, an ongoing pursuit of Christ in His kingdom. And uh, I want to show you this in the New Testament. So let's look at a couple of examples. Let's go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. He is a rewarder of those who diligently pursue Him. It is by faith and endurance that we inherit the promises. Alright, Mark chapter 2, let's see. When he, meaning Jesus, had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. Now, let's stop right there. Jesus had moved from Nazareth to Capernaum, 
And the scripture says it was heard. So people in town heard that this prophet from Nazareth, who was doing these powerful miracles, they heard there was a hearing about Jesus, that he was at home. Now, some scholars believe that this was a house that Jesus himself lived in. He either rented it, perhaps owned it, but it was his own house. Other scholars believe it was the house of uh, Andrew and, and Peter. I'm going to make it Jesus' home. He's renting it. Okay? N.T. Wright believes that, so I'm going to go with N.T. Wright on that. But whichever, he's living there. Now the town hears that he's home. Now look what happens. Many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Now, this is a somewhat crowded meeting tonight, okay? But just imagine that we have twice the number of people here. So much so that people can't even get into the door. I mean, there are folks in the windows, there's folks here. You can't see any carpet, you can't see any tile on the floor, and even the door is jammed, okay? That's the kind of meeting that was going on here. Yeah, we're not too far from that, by the way. Verse 3, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. Now, this is interesting, because here is a man who cannot walk. He's paralyzed. I think some translations say he had the palsy. Cerebral palsy. It's a wicked disease. One of the worst things you can have. And so he has to be carried on a stretcher. And he has four friends carrying him. And what are they doing? They're bringing him to Jesus. Now just just step back from that a minute. And I just want to say, bless the Lord for these four friends. They're bringing their friend to see Jesus. And you know, sometimes we need... Sometimes we need our friends to bring us to Jesus Christ. Whether we're sick or we have an issue or a problem. And brothers and sisters, this is what the church is for. That's one of the things the church is for. Look around you. You have friends to bring you to Jesus Christ. Thank God I have friends to bring me to Christ if I can't get to them. And so consequently, they had these four friends. And look what they do. Verse 4. Being unable to get to Him because of the crowd. Now just stop. They try to get in the door. They realize they can't. And maybe one of them peeked through and they can see that the whole place is covered with people. Now, the natural mind would say, well, sorry buddy, it must not be God's will that we see Jesus today, so let's just stop a steak and shake and grab some hamburgers and have a milkshake and maybe next time when he comes into town. And that's what the natural mind does. But look what these four men did. They removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. They climbed up through the staircase on the side of the house, up on the roof, and they start breaking up the roof. They start taking the tiles off. Can you imagine that? Right now. The meeting is full. Okay? 
John Zenz is speaking. And all of a sudden, the roof starts to come apart. And they let him down. Now, what's interesting about this is Jesus is not upset. I mean, this is his house. He's not angry about it. He's just renting. No, but he actually was pleased with this. He actually marveled. But what's happening here? These are violent people. These are people who will not be stopped. These are people who will do anything to get their friend to Jesus Christ. Do you see the diligence here? They're pressing into the kingdom of God. They're forcing their way into it. So let's read on. And Jesus, seeing their faith... Seeing their faith. Isn't that interesting? Seeing the faith of the four men who carried him said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And you go on and and you find that he's healed. Now, that's amazing. It was the faith of the four friends. Think about that. It was their faith. There's a little lesson there that, that your faith could help bring someone else to Jesus and He'll respond. But look what they had to do. These were people who were pressing, forcing, thrusting their way into Christ. They heard that He was there. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. They heard that Jesus was in town and they ripped the roof off to get their friend to see Him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now let's look over at Mark 5. Let's see another example of this. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. We're just going to look at the second part of this verse because the first part uh, has to do with another story. Verse 24, chapter 5 of Mark. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. So get the picture. Jesus is walking and there's a huge crowd around him so much so that they're up against him. They're pressing against him. Okay? And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all she had and was not helped at all but rather had grown worse. Stop right there. Here is a woman for 12 years has an issue of blood. She has a hemorrhaging. I'm going to explain how bad this was. Beyond the torment, there was a social element to this too. She's been to all the doctors. Nobody has been able to help her. She spent all her money. She's got nothing. She's in a desperate situation. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. The times that we begin to pursue the Lord the strongest is when we are desperate. And I'll tell you something. A lot of what God's doing in your life right now, and my life right now, is to make us more desperate for Him. He's putting you and I in positions of desperation. Well, look what happens. Verse 27. After hearing about Jesus, she heard about Him. Faith comes by hearing. She heard about the living Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. 
she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Now that's faith. But it's not just faith. It is a diligent, active faith. She pushed her way, her frail little body, pushed her way through the crowds, bent on touching him. And, and it, the scripture actually says she touched the hem of his garment, which really, literally, they were tassels. And she just touched it. And she, had, she believed that if she touched the hem of his garment, she would be well. The problem was getting there to touch him. And you've heard us talk about touching the Lord. Watchman Nee would use that term, touching the Lord. Well, that's where it comes from. She touched him. But she had to force her way in to get to him, you see? It wasn't a simple thing. She had to push in. There were obstacles, brothers and sisters. Listen to me. Listen with both ears. There are obstacles to press in to your Lord. And so consequently, she pushes her way in. She touches him. And verse 29, Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. I think the King James says he perceived that virtue had gone out of him. He recognizes someone touched me. He says, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? You know, what are you talking about? There's like a hundred people touching you right now. That's what the disciples said. You see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? <laughs> and he looked, I mean, he just, he, it says he's looking around. He's like, who touched me? Someone touched me. And of course, they're all pressing up against him. But the woman, fearing and trembling. Now, let me tell you why she's fearing and trembling. She's ritually unclean. She's a social outcast. She's not supposed to be in public. She's not supposed to be around people. She's not supposed to be touching anybody, let alone this prophet. But brothers and sisters, she could not be stopped. That's what faith does. It causes you to push in to Him until you touch Him. She's fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before Him and told Him the whole truth. She told him everything, what she had. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Praise the Lord. She was a violent woman. Spiritual violence now. You understand? Forcing your way into Christ. I can just hear the things that are going to be said about this message. Okay, let's go to Mark 10. I'll just show you two more examples. Mark 10, verse 46. Mark 10:46. Then they came to Jericho. And as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a large crowd... A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Now let's stop there. Here is a blind man. We don't know how long he's been blind. But he's a beggar. 
That's how he lives from day to day. He gets up in the morning. He goes out to the roadside. He puts out his garment. Jericho was very hot, so I doubt seriously he was wearing it. It's hot all year round. He puts the garment, it's a beggar's garment, on the ground. And he begs just so he can eat that day. And that's what he does every single day to live. So it's a pretty difficult existence. And it says in verse 47, when he heard, see, faith comes by hearing, when he heard. That's why it's so important to share Christ with one another. This is why it's so important to, to break bread. This is why it's so important to, to share the Lord and to pursue the Lord. Because faith comes by hearing Him and, and that which is about Him. When He heard it was Jesus the Nazarene, He began to cry out and say, now this is strong, He's yelling this. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now imagine Him screaming it at the top of His lungs. He's crying out. He's desperate. He's pushing his way into the kingdom of God, which is Christ in all his fullness. And look what happens. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. Be quiet. Hey, hey, hush. You're interrupting the service. The master's giving a lesson here. Quiet. You're in church. Shh. Quiet. You know, notice that everything related to traditional. Let's be quiet. Shh, how's it got tiptoe? Yeah, no. We got people ripping roofs off uh, homes and, and Barnabas screaming at the top of his lungs. And look what happens. Verse 49. And Jesus stopped. Notice he, he's sharing, he's walking. And here's this blind beggar yelling at the top of his lungs Jesus, son of David. Son of David is the title for the Messiah. He believed that he was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus stops. Boy, that's something to stop the Lord. His cry stopped the Lord. And he stopped and said, call him here. And look how the crowd switches their attitude. (laughs) So they called... The blind man saying, take courage, stand up, he's calling you. The same people who said, shut up, be quiet, you're interrupting the service. Oh, he wants you to come, take courage, you got pig, come on. That's human nature. It's human nature, it's what the switch, just like that. Now look at this. He hears that Jesus is calling him. Jesus responds to his cry. Throwing aside his cloak... He jumps up and he came to Jesus. Now that cloak represents his life. It gives him the license to beg. That's his begging cloak. That's where people put the money. By him taking it and throwing it, he was basically, he was being reckless. But not really. He was being violent. He was throwing it away and he was coming to him. He was pursuing the Lord. And answering him, verse 51, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? Now just listen to that, because I think there's a little mini lesson here about prayer when we're asking the Lord for things. So often we're not specific. 
And James talks about this. You have not because you ask not. The Lord would say, well, what is it exactly that you want? And so he answers and he says, the blind man said, Rabboni, which means teacher, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. But what is faith? It is an active pushing in to Christ. It's an active running after Him and refusing to be stopped by anything. Look what it says. Immediately He regained His sight and what did He do? He began following Him on the road. And I believe there is a tradition that says that He continued to follow Jesus Christ. He was one of the followers. But He had to first find Him and pursue Him. And then He could follow Him. And I'm sure he didn't, he didn't stop following him or pursuing him. Let's look at Matthew 15. This is our last example. Matthew 15, thrusting our way into Christ, into his kingdom, pressing in. Matthew 15, boy, this is a violent woman right here. Man alive, she's uh, remarkable. Verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. The, The title of the Messiah. She believed he was the Messiah. And she's not even an Israelite. She's a Gentile. Canaanite to boot my daughter is cruelly demon possessed now now stop there think about this mother and she has a daughter who has a demon cruelly possessed and I see here uh, not only a woman who is desperate but a woman who loves her daughter enough that even though she has a demon She's not cast her away. She's still trying to help her. Isn't that interesting? You know, I think a lot of people would say, you know what? My daughter's gone. And I don't want to be infected by this. And there's no hope. And we just have to give her up. No, she's still trying to help her. And here she hears about Jesus. Obviously, she heard something about him. She called him the Messiah. She had faith that he was such. And she goes to him. Now... Verse 23, but he did not answer her a word. He ignores her. Have you ever had the Lord ignore you? Or feel like he ignored you? And this is what a lot of Christians do. They'll pray or they'll ask the Lord for something or they'll try to pursue him or seek him. And they'll feel like he's not answering, he's not responding. And then they'll just say, oh well, whatever it is I'm pursuing him for, I guess it's not his will. So I'm going to quit. But that's not what this woman did. He ignores her. Now think of that as strike one. The ignoring from the Lord. Okay, That's a pretty big thing. And his disciples came and implored him saying, Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Now, this suggests that Okay, Jesus is ignoring her, so now she goes to the disciples and says, Hey, my daughter is vexed. She has a demon. Jesus can deliver her. Can you deliver her? 
And of course, being the warm, gracious, compassionate bunch that the disciples were, they're asking the Lord to send her away. Okay, she keeps shouting at us. Okay, well, her desperation is known. She's crying out to the Lord. She's crying out to his disciples. Have mercy on me. My daughter is vexed with an evil spirit. She has a demon. Please help me. Please help her. Okay, that's strike two. The disciples shut her out. And now Jesus responds, verse 24, And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, she's not part of the house of Israel. That's strike three. Now, any normal person would just say, Oh, well, I guess it's not going to happen. I tried three times, and now I'm just going to go home. That's not what faith does, brothers and sisters. Faith continues to pursue the Lord. Faith continues to seek to touch the Lord until you get an answer. Whether that's yes, or whether that's my grace is sufficient for you. Remember Paul prayed three times? for the thorn to be taken away. And the Lord didn't say, I'm going to take it away. He says, I'm going to cause you to rise above the situation. I'm not going to remove it. I'm not going to deliver you from it. I'm going to deliver you through it. I'm going to cause you to rise above it rather than take it away. And then he stopped praying. Jesus, when he was in Gethsemane, prayed three times. There's the principle of praying thrice. And don't take that literally. It's a message to continue to press in, to continue to force your way into the kingdom until you get an answer. Okay? Remember the unjust judge, the parable of the unjust judge? The woman kept every day knocking, and he ignored her, and he didn't want to do anything, but because of her persistent annoying him, saying, I want vengeance from my enemies, because of her importunity, the unjust judge gave her what she wanted. And then Jesus said, The Father is not unjust. He is righteous and good. How much more? Well, He responded to His children when they cry unto Him day and night. See? In Jeremiah it says, You shall seek Me, and you shall find Me, but what's the last part? When you seek Me with all your heart. See? So there's this violent pursuing of the Lord. Well, three strikes she's got right now. And Jesus... When he came to this earth, you have to understand, the Father did not send him to the Gentiles. He was sent to Israel. Now the Gentiles would come in later, but what he was trying to do was reconstitute Israel. He was creating a new Israel. And through them, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And he started with the twelve which represented the twelve tribes of Israel. He was creating, he was remaking Israel. And he was going to the lost sheep to try to bring them into that recreation of Israel. But he was not called to the Gentiles. It was out of his ministry sphere. So this is why he's doing this. But also behind it is a test. And you know, brothers and sisters, there's often the test of the Lord that's attached to our pursuing him. But look, look again here. Verse 25. And she came and began to bow down before him. See, she keeps coming. She doesn't stop. You would have thought by now she would have ran away and said, well, it's not happening. No, she bows down and says, Lord, help me. 
She's desperate. And somehow she has faith that despite what the disciples are saying and despite what he's saying himself, he is going to respond. She just has to push in. And he answers and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That's strike four. The children's bread. This, what, what's the children's bread? It's deliverance. And it belongs to God's children. And you're outside of that. And he used this metaphor, which sounds kind of crude. But look at her response. This is an amazing woman. She will not be stopped. She said, yes, Lord, you're right. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Wow. What faith. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. What a Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, you can get to Him. He's not going to turn you away. But sometimes there's going to be obstacles. And that's why He said, you press into the kingdom. You force your way into the kingdom. You diligently seek Him. And this is an attitude, brothers and sisters, that I charge you to take upon yourself to have a faith that is tenacious persistent unstoppable and when you can't get to him then you find your brothers and sisters who can bring you to him and vice versa this is all over the New Testament it's all over the Old Testament remember the story where Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord in Genesis and they're actually having a wrestling match the night is coming and the angel says I must go and he says I'm not going to let you go until you bless me God changed his name from Jacob to Israel because Israel means he who prevails with God that Jacob wrestled with God and he prevailed what was he doing? He was pushing his way into the kingdom of God, as it were. And you remember the, uh, the story of the spies that went out to look at the land and come back with a report to Israel to tell them how the situation looked before they can enter into that land? That land belonged to them. God said, the land is yours. I give it to you. It's your inheritance. But see, there were obstacles all around it. When those spies went out, they saw the city fortified. They saw the strength, the armies around it. They saw the sons of Anak, which were giants. And they all said, there's no way we're going to be able to take this. And then Caleb rose up and said, no, we will take it because the Lord gave it to us. We just have to press in. We have to force our way in. And our God will give it to us. See, He was one who was pressing into the kingdom. But there were all obstacles. And unfortunately, the bad report was brought back to Israel and they moaned and groaned and had problems with Moses and because they didn't believe. 
Well, that land represents the kingdom of God. That land represents the unsearchable riches of Christ. And brothers and sisters, the only way you will be able to receive all of your inheritance is if you have a spirit of violence that will push into the kingdom, that will continue to pursue the Lord. And sometimes the Lord has to get us to a desperate place until we do that. So may you as a church, may you as individuals, may you as a body, take this word to press into the kingdom of God, to continue to pursue Him at any cost, and to have a holy violence about you. And the Lord will meet you, and the Lord will respond. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And as Kim shared, and Bridget, the reward is Himself. He is our reward.